Hello and welcome to Philosophize. Today we're talking about Existence by David Cronenberg. Yeah, Dave picked it, sorry. Dave. Hello there, Matt. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm okay. Um, so obviously today we're going to be looking at Existence by uh, David Cronenberg, the co-play to David Lynch's Radiohead. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to let that one drop. This is a film that you chose. Could you just sort of talk us through the film and say a little bit about why you picked it? Yeah, sure thing. I th- I think one of the reasons I picked this film is because the way in which it, it wants to explore reality through reality by using fantasy and the way in which those elements start to collapse and the way in which it tries to explore those elements it's confused in the particular meaning of the word confused where all of these different levels of reality fuse those of you who have come to our invited seminars before will know that i normally lead the groups through our new games but tonight it won't be me no For our test launch of Existence by Antenna, we have brought you a seminar leader who is rather special. Yes, it is. The world's greatest game designer is here in person to lead you, our first test enclave, through her newest creation, Existence by Antenna. I give you the game pod goddess herself, Allegra Geller. The film opens in a wee church, a wee country church, and a seminar leader introduces the test launch of a new game system. The game system's called Existence, capital X, capital Z, by the company Antenna. Uh, It's not the seminar leader who's going to take people into the game, but it is the designer herself, Allegra Geller. Then we cut away. We cut away to the door, and there's a late arrival, Noel Dichter comes through the door, and he's stopped at the door and searched by Ted Peichel. Ted Peichel is kind of doing security, but really is kind of a PR media um, trainee who's being involved in launching the game. And just as they're starting to boot up the game, Noel pulls out a gun, a really, really strange-looking gun made of, as we find out later, flesh and bone, screams death to the demoness Allegra Geller, shoots her, screams death to Antenna Research, shoots the seminar leader twice. And as the seminar leader is dying, he tells Pykel to help Allegra, get her out of there, keep her safe, to trust no one. There's enemies everywhere. And Pykel grabs Allegra, who's been, who's been shot once and is wounded, and they go on the road and they go on the run basically. It's kind of a road movie at first. They travel along the road, they go to a motel, gas station, ski club, and eventually they enter into the game of existence. And the reason that's done is to test it because it was injured when it was ripped out of Allegra as as it was booting up. So they're going to test it. And at that point, they go in and start testing the game existence and they start having heightened adventures in this world, which kind of eventually leads them back to 
the originary world from where they came. And as we find out at the very end of the film, the originary world from which they began possibly, well, isn't the real world. Is that kind of transition normal? That kind of smooth interlacing from place to place? Well, it depends on the style of game. You can get jagged, brutal cuts, slow fades, shimmering little morphs. This is amazing. I had no idea. <sighs> <laughs> Look at this. Games I've never heard of. Wait a minute. That reminds me. What precisely is the goal of the game that we're playing now? You have to play the game to find out why you're playing the game. It's a future, Paykel. We'll see how natural it feels. So it's very, um, very organic Fartek for the majority of the film. Um, though obviously at the end of it, one of the signifiers that we're in the real world, the tech becomes more um, mechanical in nature. Mm. But the um, the video game units are um, sort of grown and modified from amphibians, we're told. The way that people plug into them is through this um, ombicord or umbicord, sorry, sort of like an umbilical cord connecting yeah, to, absolutely. The, to the creature into a um a, a custom orifice in the uh in the back, which isn't you know, there's no mecha- mechanics there. It's it's definitely an organic organic thing. So they they're not like the um the sockets that the characters in the Matrix have, which are like metal things. It's it just looks like um a hole in the back. It's worth saying on that point that one of one of um, Cronenberg's earlier films, Videodrome, which was released when the home videotape market was um, at its height. People had slots in their bellies where they could insert these organic kind of videotapes. So that's a real theme of mm. of Cronenberg, where, where the mechanical is kind of like given an overlaying organic patina. What does patina mean? Colouring. Oh. Well, I mean, we find out that the the main characters are um, realists, i.e., t- sort of technophobes, not wanting video games to pollute pollute our culture. Yeah, well, reality. Yeah, so pollute reality. Yeah, so sort of, you know, anything that's not reality is a is a bad thing. So, it, I mean, I mean, to me, it seemed like the reason why it's appearing is organic because they're viewing it as an infection. You know, the the, the mechanical technology is actually this this, this parasitical thing that's sort of invading our persons and our bodies and, and and stuff like that. What what did you take from this stuff, the organic tech and the way that it's portrayed? So I, I don't think in the sense that it's a critique of gaming because in a sense what we get with Cronenberg is always self-reflections through the, the culture and the technology that we have at the time. So rather it's trying to explore that and look at the way in which it and reality function together i suppose so i i don't see this as a as a as a critical film in any way shape or form. Oh, sorry i didn't mean I, that the film itself was critical but that those two characters are and the reality seems because the there's a theme another thing that runs through which is that the designers in air quotes don't seem to have that much control over what happens in the game so um i think that's the really interesting bit and that's yeah. the bit that leads you back to um 
I'm not going to say realism, but I'm going to say naturalism. And yeah. perhaps we could talk about that in a, in, a, in a bit of a way, in the sense that you're driven by your drives as much as your conscious yeah. thoughts and the way in which you operate in the world. And I think Cronenberg's really playing with that, the notion that there's a, there's a moment which I think is really interesting on that. And um, it, it, again, it, it, it refers back to the, to the organic nature of the tech where they're in um they've gone into existence and the, and unlike the originary world which kind of like flows into each other in existence we have sort of like brutal cuts in the sense they end up in different places and seem a bit bemused when they first get there anyway the point is they're in the um, in the game shop in a back room and they're playing with the tech within the game world and they've got these little micropods and Paykel has one inserted into him, and um, Allegra has to kind of smear this kind of cream. It's a very sexual image all over um, Bioport before inserting it. And then Paykel does the same as well, and he starts smearing this cream, and then he starts licking this orifice in the, in the back of her spine, which kind of makes her freak and jump out, and it, makes, it freaks him out as well. And he starts saying, I don't know why I'm doing these things. I don't know why I'm saying these things. So there's a sense in which these characters are being driven by drives they are unaware of, yeah, until it's suddenly thrown back to them, until something reflects back. They're not in a world of conscious decisions. They're in a world of drives. Yeah, no, I, totally. And I, th I think that, I mean, that, that's, that's close to what I, I was trying to say about the the tech being parasitical, not, not that... Cronenberg's technophobic of the film is, but because those two characters are realist and they're anti-technology or anti-virtuality, so we don't know that until the to the very end. But sort of looking back on it, I think that is intended to be some sort of manifestation of their desires and their drives, because the the uh, the designer of the the sort of the arch game transcendence, he sort of says, "I'm surprised at how much anti-game stuff was going on in that." So, yeah. so it seems to be sort of constructed out of the um, the unconscious desires and drives of the people connected to it. So, it's, so I, I was thinking that might be why it came out looking like that, not because the film's critical of it, but because the two characters in the film are critical of. I think you are exactly right, and I think uh, that is the key. The key phrase for me in the whole film plays into that when they first enter the world of existence from the originary world, Paykel asks Allegra a question. He says, oh, hang on, I mean, what, what's the point of this game? What's the aim of this game? And she says, you have to play the game to find out why you're playing the game. So there's a sense that the game itself absolutely is a reflection of not simply the subjectivity of the characters, because at one point Allegra is saying, um, she can go in and explore the world, but she needs someone in there and someone in there with her friendly, yeah, because that's, in a sense, where the game mm, um, is built, true. not from, you know, everyone's subjectivity, but if you like, the underlying drive that are embodied by people in different ways. It's a relational construct that is built out of the mass subjectivity. It's a social model. It's not an individualistic model, these games. The world is constructed through a, as a social world through the relations of the characters and, and not 
their drives, but the way in which drives are manifested through each of the characters, which again leads you back to, oh, it's hard to say this, to the real world, if you like. I think this happens in the scene where um, Paykel pauses the game and he says something about feeling disconnected and Geller says, yeah, that means it's working. Yeah. <laughs> so it's working because it's sort of taking him out of reality. So if you compare it to Inception, where which is also a, a film about dreams, which has multi-layers, you know, I, I think that the, the video game portrayal here is much closer to a portrayal of, of dream states. And you've got multi-levels of dream states um, as you have in Inception, but each level of dream state in Inception sort of costs you something. And the reality behaves differently. I think it's something that they have this sort of thing about it's taking experiencing time at a slower, a faster rate or something like that. Um, whereas in this, it, it's not like that. It is just like... I mean, they do say that the time moves faster, but I think you're exactly right. You don't get a sense... So in Inception, you go down a level and each level, if you like, gets more bizarre and yeah. the tie gets slower. And there is a sense of there's a real world and then there are these other worlds that you go down, obviously complicated at the end of the film with the spinning top, Yeah, which is very similar in this. This one's very different. I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I was going to say this, but you, you beat me to it. <laughs> I mean, it's a film of surfaces in a sense, not depths. And I would absolutely affirm the idea of a horizontal model. So you start in an originary world in the church, on the road, the motel, and I'm calling it an originary world in, in a specific sense, which we'll, hopefully we'll get onto a bit later. And then you kind of step sideways, if you like, to the right into existence, into the world of the game. And there's a moment when, as you say, they step back into the originary world and then step again back right into existence. And then towards the end of the film, they step back to the, if you like, into the originary world for the last time. And then that is revealed that, that this might not be the originary world, the actual, or it's not the real world. The originary world is not the real world. And they step left from this middle section into another world. And as we know, at the very end of that, that's called into question as well. That's the, the, that's the kind of like visceral moment. And it cuts a, a brutal cut at the end of it. Earl, I was very disturbed by the game we just played. What do you mean? It had a very strong, very real anti-game theme. I mean, it began with the attempted assassination of a game designer. Really? That's very creative. On second thought, I, I see what you mean. It does make me nervous. You think this, this must have come from one of our game players? Well, it sure didn't come from me. Let's probe it when we do the focus group. One of the things I wanted to talk about is the interpretation of gaming that's going on here. Now, you've already mentioned that um, this isn't necessarily really a film about gaming. Now, the way my housemate put it, who I watched it with, was that this is a Cronenberg film first and then a uh, virtual reality film second. But I find it interesting the way that Cronenberg has interpreted that. And I'd be surprised if he's ever, at least at this point, had ever played a video game because, and, you know, for um for younger listeners um who might think that 1999 you know wasn't you know, we didn't really have modern gaming yet i mean that's gaming was different to how it is now but narrative driven games the sort of game that where you play someone else play another character interact with them what we would call non-player characters i think the film gives them a different name that sort of thing about how you have to say the right thing in order to get the reaction from the character 
in order to progress the game, that sort of thing. That was that had already been going on for decades before this film was released. So it's sort of that there is actually a rich um, history of video games that Cronenberg could be aware of. And for me, it's a very much a filmmaker's idea of how video games work. And one of the reasons I think that is this idea of you have to let your character do the thing. So there's a, there's a couple of moments. Like, so like, for example, the moment where um, Jude Law's character is eating the awful dish that he assembles into a gun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and sort of this idea. No, it's your character doing it. This idea that the character impulse you talked about it as a drive. I, I, it's just sort of it seems to me the way Cronenberg's thinking about the relationship between the person playing the game and the character they're inhabiting is like the relationship between an actor and the character that they're playing. The actor just needs to listen to the director and just get on with it. You know, somehow the game can't progress unless you give yourself over completely to just doing what the character wants to do. Which is interesting because in, in game that usually is not enjoyed. It's sort of described as railroading, where if you if your agency as a player is taken away from you and um, the game character does its own thing and you're forced to do decisions that you don't feel like you had a, a part of, it doesn't really feel like a game anymore. Yeah, what do you think what do you think on the moments like when the characters pause and they kind of just go into this stall, like like you'd see sometimes video games when you're, you're standing still and a character op- opposite you is kind of like, you know, it's just slightly twitching, so to speak, side to side. There were little moments like that which tried to, to you know, tried to bring it in when two people are talking about a character in the game. The character in the game can't hear what you as players, if you like, are saying. Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought that... That's the one thing in it that really rings true, although it's um, usually, usually be seen as a sign of a badly written game. I, I think they reflect on that all the time. Oh, I didn't really like that character. His dialogue wasn't very good. Yeah. You know, so there's just that element about they're doing feedback on it and that yeah. this isn't a perfected game and there's things wrong with it and there'll be glitches and all of that. I think it's another way in which I think it's a very filmy way of understanding how video games work, which is that the game designer seems to operate like a visionary director, which is that they're not actually in total control over the finished product. They sort of have the idea and they lay sort of the seeds of it, but then there's other things that have to kick into place to actually produce the final object. And both the sort of um, the in-game game designer, which is uh, which is Geller, and then the out-of-game, the real-world game designer. Yeah, they're both surprised and disappointed by things that are happening within the game world. And it's not how we tend to think about game designers and game developers. These are people who are actually in total control of that to the point where something goes wrong. We usually blame the developers. Why didn't why did that happen? Whereas this seems to be much less control over it, which I guess is more like how films are made, both in the sense that a director is not able to make a film on their own. But game designers don't sit there and just do it all themselves, do they? They have whole teams and, you know, in another country where there's lots of cheap labour and, People are overlaying and building bits, and then it all comes together according to plans. But they are—they're mass produced, aren't they? But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that that's not not the case. But um, you don't usually have an auteur unless it's uh, it, yeah, you know, and you do get some games that are made literally by one or two people these days. But what, what I mean is, it's the surprise at how things go. So I mean, I think there's having to get a bunch of people to act in a certain way that you don't have total control over. Mm. Um, whereas if you think of um, you know, whereas you know, imagine like the the project leader or the manager of a of a computer game project might have that trouble. But also I think that with films you've got a lot less control over how your audience react and feel about what you've done. A, a lot of what they think about is how to get 
the player to have a particular experience or to get them to work something out. It's a, there's a lot of manipulation, like direct manipulation involved in game design, whereas I think film is more traditionally a... Um, here is the thing that we've made, what do you think about it, sort of relationship with the audience. It just struck me as seeing a video game as a film where the audience are the actors mm. and where the director hasn't got total control over because of that, because the the audience are the actors and they can do what they want within the the game system as uh as Geller puts it at the beginning, there's a lot less control and, you know, sometimes disappointment because the game's going to, you know, not necessarily turn out the way that they wanted it. You know, I've never been a film director, but I can imagine that some directors might end up feeling a bit disappointed that a film didn't quite turn out the way that they wanted to because they couldn't quite get um, the actors to see what their vision was and they end up with something that's a bit more of a compromise. So, look, I think that's really interesting. I think in one way I agree with you, in one way... I don't. Where I agree with you is this idea, in a sense, of it reflecting on cinema in general. But that, to me, isn't the what's really at stake here. And with respect to the depiction of the game and the films, and all that, I, th- I would say that's taking it all too literally. I think there's 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 something else going on in this film with respect to realism, and it's through through naturalism. And this might sound really bizarre. Yeah, because when we say the word naturalism, we tend to think of it as being, if you like, more realist than realist. But but it's worth actually pursuing this line of thought because I think that what the film is trying to do is presenting a world through fantasies that presents to you, if you like, the real as it is in in its in its heightened kind of state. Look, we know that Cronenberg, his film Videodrome, can in a sense be seen as a film critical of video market and video nasties and all of that. And yet he's taking that. I think what he's actually doing is is exactly the opposite in a way to what you're saying. He's taking the criticisms that get laid down in Videodrome videos, in computer games, and what he's doing is asking you the question, well, okay, you think this is unreal, you think there's something perverted and horrible about this, but what makes you think that reality that you live isn't already like that? Isn't already this kind of problematic space? Isn't already a problem? So he's, he's, he's kind of, in a sense, the inverted metaphor. He's using that as a sense to investigate what our idea that we think reality can be uh, captured in a rational landscape. And this is why I'm referring to naturalism. So so naturalism as a kind of model comes out of Emile Zola, a writer in the 19th century. 1880, he writes something called the experimental novel. And the idea of experiment is really important to him. At the heart of naturalism, we have no longer have the right to think about the world in a romantic way. So what he wants to do is kind of like bring the natural sciences into literature and you know get rid of if you like the the kind of supernatural and irrational aspects of it and you might be thinking well hang on dave you know this is exactly what's going on isn't there a kind of like supernaturally rational layer over it but bear with me so the uh, the crucial base of naturalism is the idea that humanity is an organism that functions through hereditary and its surroundings so, so it's the surroundings that drives the world that give birth to people 
but naturalism also distinguishes itself from realism. And this is the really important bit. A naturalist author tries to look at characters and the world by giving that world a form and looking at it through a lens and through a experiment says more about the real world through the experiment. And that, to me, is what Cronenberg is using video games for in the film, because as you're quite right to say, the experience they have of video games is not at all like video games. It's extrapolated from that. I would say so it's exactly the opposite things happening. It's not looking at video games. It's using video games to look at the real world. So how does it feel? What? Your real life. The one you came back for. It feels completely unreal. You're stuck now, aren't you? Well, go back to the Chinese restaurant. There's nothing happening here. We're safe. It's boring. It's worse than that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure here, where we are, is real at all. This feels like a game to me. And you, you're beginning to feel a bit like a game character. Okay, Dave, so is there anything that um, you wanted to talk about that we didn't actually have? enough time to go into detail about yeah i suppose it it's it's kind of uh building upon some of the things we've already talked about and that was the the, the viscerality on the organic nature of the images there's a wonderful shot in the church at the beginning where the camera is taking a kind of crane view from the top and panning along the laps of all of these people with them sit, sitting with these game pods on their laps and the game pods are these kind of pink fleshy yeah mm. organic things and they're twitching and they're moving on their own accord doing what they do and and that that filters across the whole piece i think the idea of just how organic they are uh, they're grown from fertilized amphibian eggs stuffed with synthetic dna we are told they're basically an animal and there's a kind of a development of that which i thought was exceptionally good Pykel asks at one point you know where's the batteries and they all sort of like laugh at his naivety He's kind of this newbie being introduced to the game world, so to speak, and plays that kind of character very well. And they say, no, it's your metabolism that powers the pod. If you get run down, it affects the game and your experience of the game. So it's that kind of viscerality, the, the kind of uh, coming together the and the organic nature of these things all melding into one another. And the way that Cronenberg captures that through the visual images it's just beautiful. It's tactile. There's a moment when um, they're out, uh, when um, Allegra is outside the gas station called Country Gas Station, and she's feeling the textures of a wall. This is why we, this is this is why we, um, while we still think she's in the real world, and it's one of the many clues. While we're in the originary world, the world that we begin, that we're not, along with the two-headed amphibian, and she's picking up dust, and she goes and smells the gas pump. And I think Cronenberg is absolutely brilliant at getting across the, if you like, not just the visual sense, but senses of taste and texture and smell that comes out of the film like that. It's not purely a visual and sonic 
experience when you watch a Cronenberg film. If you like, it's full sensory surround. Cool. What about you, Matt? Anything that you think um, you'd like just to, to add before we finish? Um, I just kind of like the, the, the bit where they first go into existence. Uh, the two characters, and they're sort of confused about what they're supposed to do and nothing's making sense and the sort of reality is a bit disjointed and I just thought it's kind of like the characters have got trapped in a Cronenberg film. <laughs> yeah.